And uh, let's get started this morning uh, into the sermon. If you're here this week for the first week, you have just happened to step in the middle of a sermon series on the home. And it's a real simple thought, home improvement. The very beginning of the sermon series, we talked about the reality that whether you're married, divorced, single, no matter where you are in life, we all have room for improvement in our homes. And we've taken some real time to look at some specific things. What's the Bible teach about being a man? What does it teach about how to be a father, how to be a husband? What's the Bible teach about women and their role in the home? And what's it, what's it mean to be a Christian wife or a Christian mother? This week, we're going to start working with parenting, kids. And I want to spend one week dealing specifically with boys, and then next week I'm going to deal with raising girls in this crazy culture. And then we're going to wrap it up with a sermon that just deals with what do you do when everything goes wrong. You know, um, and I hope that so far, if you've been here throughout the last several weeks, that there has been hope for you that, hey, even if things haven't been perfect, you can pick up the pieces and, and work with what you have to work with. But I want to spend some specific time dealing with those of you that might feel like, well, hey, man, I'm not married. Um, my life didn't turn out the way that, that I wanted it to, or I'm dealing with this problem. Listen, there is a word from God for each of us concerning how we are to live the life that is ahead of us. And so we're going to get there as well when it comes to brokenness. And um, the truth is, brokenness, broken homes, broken relationships has become the norm in our society. And we want to spend some real time dealing with that also. But this morning I want to talk to you about boys. I want to talk to you about leading boys into manhood. It's important to understand that there is a difference between being a male and being a man. In order to be a male, you only have to have the male parts. But there is a big difference between boys and men and simply being a male and maturing into a man. And we happen to live in a culture with a modern day phenomenon of the 35-year-old boy. And it's not just boys, the same principle applies to ladies as well. But it seems as if we have lost the ability to grow up. And as if, and this is a hard thing, you know, preaching about real life stuff is hard in the church, period, because you're going to be talking to somebody. You can't hardly preach on divorce anymore without knowing that you're going to be talking to 50% of the people. Can't preach on debt because the church is in debt. Can't preach on parenting and this and that. But you, sometime you just have to do it. And I hope I don't offend you this morning, but I want to talk about where we live as a culture. And we live as a culture with a modern-day 25- to 30-year-old child still living in the home, living off mom and dad, hasn't learned how to take care of himself yet, hasn't learned how to pay his own bills, hasn't learned what it means to be a man. And we have these teens that are graduating high school that have absolutely no idea about responsibility, about how to manage money, about how to work hard, and in a large part, many of them are fatherless. They haven't seen what they need to see. They haven't heard what they need to hear. And, and they're spending a multitude of their time looking at a screen doing this, 
or spending time with their friends next to them, looking at the screen doing this. And they do not know how to engage in culture. They do not know how to make resumes. They do not know how to, to, to work hard. They do not know how to pay bills. They don't know what it means to grow up and be a man. 95% of juvenile homicides are committed by boys. Out of, out of every hundred homicides that take place in juveniles, 95 of those hundred are done by boys. Boys under the age of 18. Now, I don't mean to be as if you can't do math, but that would be 17 and under. Boys under the age of 18 are responsible for 20% of the violent crime in the United States. Let me say that again. Boys under the age of 18 are responsible for 20% of the violent crime in this country. Something is wrong with the culture that we live in. Here's what we have to understand as parents. Here's what we have to understand as a church. We cannot and will not change the culture. The Bible teaches us that hearts will get colder and harder as time goes on. We can change our culture, my home, and I can influence the world that I'm around, but the world as a whole, we're not going to change it. And it's real important that we understand that my job as a father, your job as a, as a father, as a mother, your job as parents, our job as a church, is not necessarily to make the rest of the world act right. It is to teach our families how to be right in a world that's not right. That's our job. And in the process of living out life and being the love of God to a lost and dying world and using our talents to reach this world for Christ, will we reach some? Yes, we will. Will we make a difference with our lives? Yes, we will. But the world will always be wicked. It will always be opposed to God. It will always be opposed to the truth of God's Word. And so my job is not to take all of my energy and all that I am and spend it trying to change them or trying to change them or trying to change this school or trying to change that school or this per, this thing or that thing. My job is to teach my sons and my daughters how to stay strong in their faith, how to keep their eyes on Jesus, and how to live in a world like this. But we must acknowledge, never has there been a more difficult time to raise children than in this day and this time. The world has always been messed up. But generally speaking, at least in this country, for hundreds of years, when you sent your children into the public place, schools and other such places, generally, 
the be respectful to authorities, the um, be respectful to the principles of God, honor your father and mother, generally those types of things were reinforced in the schools, reinforced in the public sector. But we live in a day and time that tells all of our kids it's all about you. It's all about you. What have you done for me lately? It's the reason that we have so much divorce. It's the reason that we have so much splitting up and so much quitting school and so much just people that work for two weeks at a job and then quit because it gets hard. Because we are raising a generation of quitters who have not learned how to be men. Who have not learned how to stick it out. Who have not learned how to work hard. How to have decent principles. And here's the thing that's unfortunate about it. We've just got to deal with the facts. And then we've got to talk about a response to the facts. I promise you, I'm going to give you a response to the facts before we're out of here today. But I want to lay them out before us. Boys, and the same is true for girls, but I'm preaching about boys today. Boys spend more than 1,000 hours a year in school. Boys spend more than 1,000 hours a year in school. I want you to think about that. I'm not blaming the school system, by the way. I'm just pointing out that our schools are messed up. There are some good teachers in, in schools. There are good teachers that, that try to do good things, but in a lot of ways their hands are tied. A lot, a lot of ways what they can and can't say has been totally stripped away from them from even what it was 10 or 15 years ago. I've heard a story recently of, of um, kids be, misbehaving in a grade school. Um, close, within a five-mile radius of here. And the teacher's just, just sick of it because the teacher's not allowed to discipline individual kids. You have to discipline the whole class. You can't single anybody out. You can't say, you, you can't deal with, you did something wrong, so we're going to discipline you because that's singling that person out. I would not make a good teacher. I promise you that. Not today in our modern public school system. I just wouldn't. But what it does, it creates an atmosphere where kids can be disrespectful and get away with it. It creates an atmosphere where unless you have a teacher who is really perfect at dealing with that stuff, the system that the teacher has to deal with generally leads to no discipline and it, it creates chaos. The truth is, we're raising a generation of kids that are disrespectful. The way that kids talk back to their parents these days, compared to the way kids talk back to their parents 30, 40, 50 years ago, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a shameful thing. And, and here's the problem. We begin to judge what is right by looking at the norm. That's the problem. And listen to me, brothers and sisters. The norm is never what we judge right and wrong by. There was, a, there was a day in this country when the norm was slavery is okay. The norm was wrong. Just because the multitude thinks a certain way and goes a certain way does not make it right. And we have to be careful not to... <laughs> i got so much to say on parenting, and I've got about 20 minutes to say it. We have to be careful as Christians 
Not to look at the culture and let our kids be trapped in the culture and not teach them how to come up through it. Because you know what's happening? The truth is, while the statistics are debatable, some say up as high as 98%, some say as low as 85%, but there are no statistics that, debate, that, that, that are lower than 85%, that say that once a churched teen hits 18 years old and moves out of the house, by the time they are 20, they leave the church. Those are undebatable statistics. It has, does not matter who you have do the poll, some of them get up as high as 98%. I think that's probably a little unreasonable, but there's not any that have ever shown less than 85%. We could safely say 9 out of 10. Now, let's just stop for a second. Let's get real like we normally do here at Crossway Church. 9 out of 10. By a show of hands, how many of you in here have kids that go to church? About 30 of you, 30 families, average of about probably three or four kids per home. So we're looking at about 100 kids represented here this morning. If we don't do something different out of those 100 kids, 90 of them will be gone when they're 19 years old. What makes you think your son or your daughter is going to be one of ten? What are you doing differently that everybody else isn't, that's going to keep your family in church and keep them committed to God when they have the ability to make the choice on their own. You want to know how we handle this? We don't think about it. That's how we handle it. We hear the statistics a little bit and we get a little bit nervous about it and we think, oh, that sounds bad, well... I don't know what else to do, and so that's just just going to cross my fingers and pray, God, don't let that happen to my kids. If that is your strategy, it is a terrible one. We have got to learn how to make our boys become men. Now, here's, here's, I'm about done with the bad news. To put the bad news in a nutshell, this is a culture we live in, people. We can stick our head in the sand, cry about it, go into a corner and say, oh, why did I get raised up in this generation? Or we can stand up and say, you know what, maybe God brought me up for such a time as this. And, and rather than being afraid of this thing and rather than hiding from this thing, I'm going to stare the thing down in the face. We're going to deal with this and we are going to be victorious in this life and we're going to do the things God asks us to do to be leaders to our children and to make sure that we're not just letting them get sucked into this black hole of a society that we live in, but that we are leading them into godliness. Now here's the good news. The good news is that what needs to happen really is not all that complicated. It's not that profound. Some of you posted after I did a, this sermon portion on women. I seen it posted mm-hmm, on Facebook. That guy on the chalkboard just got like four thousand problems going on, and it's a it's some guy explaining you know quantum mathematics, and somebody said this is Joplin teaching us about women. <laughs> hey, it can feel that way when you start talking about marriage. But here's the truth. When we start talking about raising kids, it is not 
that complicated. So what is the answer? First of all, in the church, we have to have the return of the Father in the home. What I mean by this is that we must realize these are sons, not just boys. They're not just boys and girls, they're sons and daughters. And God designed children to be sons and daughters, not just boys and girls. What I mean by this is that there is no single place that what needs to be done to raise them up in this culture can be accomplished. There's no single place as powerful as the home. And if we fail them in the home, they are going to fail out there. We have sons and we have daughters and we need fathers and we need mothers to return to the home and understand my primary responsibility is not just to my job, it's not to the community, it's not to my buddies, it's not to the ball game, it is to my sons and my daughters. And I've got to invest time in them. I've got to talk with them. I've got to teach them. I've got to spend quality and quantity time with them. There are three things that I want to, three simple points this morning on making boys into men. They need to hear, they need to see, and they need to do. They need to hear, they need to see, and they need to do. First of all, let's look at they need to hear. Look with me at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Teach them diligently. Talk. Your children need to hear your sons need to hear some very specific things. And while I submit it is most important that sons hear these things from their fathers, if you are here this morning and you are a mother that is either a single mother or you are a mother who is married and your husband is, is not involved in the home, he's not involved in teaching your children, then you have got to step up and you have got to let your sons hear these things yourself. Take the initiative to understand they need to hear these things. What do they need to hear? Here we see that they need to hear the commandments of God. They need to be taught what God teaches us is right and wrong. And I think it's important that children understand Scripture. I think it's important they memorize Scripture. I think it's important they read the Bible. But, and I, I want to be careful so that I don't get lambasted for saying this, but what I think is more important than that is that they hear from us in a way they understand the principles of God. Let me give you an example of what that would mean. So rather than when a child, my, let's, I'll use my children, rather than when my, one of my children lies, rather than me simply saying, you know, the Bible in this chapter and this verse says that all liars have their part in the lake of fire and you need to memorize that. 
I have a real talk with her about lying and just that it's not right. And I remind her that God or him, that God listens to us, that God hears us. And that, and that she, has to, she or he has to be a person of integrity. I'm going to deal with my son. There have been times with my son that he was in trouble. And he, and he would lie to try to get out of trouble. And I would speak to him about that. And I would talk to him about, son, you've got to be honest, even when it's not in your favor. Because ultimately being honest is always in your favor. And God is going to make sure that no matter who we are, that when we try to bend His rules, God is not fooled. And son, even if you would have fooled me, and even if you would have got away with this, you wouldn't have got away with it with God. And so I'm teaching him the commandments of the Bible while not necessarily just making him recite Scriptures in his head that he doesn't have any real life application to. He needs to understand how this affects this. How God's Word affects the way that I live. Notice that it says, talk when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. I think that's a very important way to communicate that. Because we kind of have this idea, remember we looked at it last week of the false home, right? The, the devotion where the whole family's around and the dad's got the Bible open and the children are all engaged. And, and, and we kind of think that's what it means to teach your kids the Bible. We have to learn that this... We have to learn that the life that I live, it's part of my everyday living. It's part of my everyday communication. We don't have spiritual hour. Let's talk about our Christian stuff now. No, we are Christians all the time. We do this all day long. We wake up thinking about God. We live thinking about God. We live our lives trying to honor God. We go to bed thinking about God. And so I'm not just going to wait until the spiritual hour to teach my kids about the Bible. I'm going to find ways as I live my life out daily to teach them. Now, here's the thing. They need to hear it. Children will believe what they hear. Your sons will believe what they hear. We can look at the holiday that we're coming up upon to easily prove that fact. But I want to go deeper than than, you know, mystical figures that fly through the air. The fact is, our sons believe what they hear. Does your son hear that he's worthless? That he's stupid? He'll believe it. You tell him that long enough, he will come to believe it. If the only type of media that he gets is this constant media in our culture that teaches us that men are stupid idiots incompetent of ever accomplishing anything except going to work and sitting on the couch and eating potato chips while the wife does everything. This is a classic picture of, of, of the Homer Simpson of, of, of the modern day man. If that is all that he ever hears that men are, he will begin to believe that's what he is. We have to consciously speak truth to them. Son, that is not us. That is not right. You are better than that. 
You have a purpose for your life. You can make a difference with your life. You can grow up to be a great man of God. You can grow up to be a great husband. You can grow up to be a great father because you are great. There are three basic things every child needs to hear. I believe this is especially true of boys. They need to hear, I love you. They need to hear, I am proud of you. And they need to hear, you're a good boy. Your sons need to hear that. They need to hear it from dad. They need to hear it from mom. I believe this so much, I began telling this to my youngest son, Malachi, before he was old enough to understand words I was saying. When I would lay him down at bed at night, I would speak these words to him, Son, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're a good boy. Because I want to get in the habit of saying those things to my children regularly, every day if possible. He knows I love him. He knows I'm proud of him. He hasn't started to believe the part about being a good boy yet. But he's two and a half. We'll get there. I say that jokingly, but I also mean it. I guarantee you, if I keep speaking those words of life to my son, by the time he's four, five, six, seven, he's going to start to see himself. I'm not one of the troublemakers. That's not me. I am a good boy, and I have a reason to make my family proud, and there is more to life than just going with the flow of everybody and being a punk and being selfish. They need to hear what is right. I mean, they need to be taught. We just assume they know. And if they're taking the cues from the culture and they're taking their cues from the Simpsons and they're taking their cues from the television and they're taking their cues from the, the, the movies that they watch and they're taking the cues from the majority of the kids that they're around a thousand hours a year, they're going to begin to think they're not good kids, that, that this is the way life is supposed to be. They need to be taught what is right. And here's the amazing thing about it. It's not that hard. We just don't do it. Most of us fathers just simply don't sit down and have that talk with our kids on a regular basis. We just think, well, they know, right? We go to church. No, they don't know. They need you to stop and talk to them, Dad. Mom, talk to them. Tell them what's right. Don't just assume they know. They need to know what is not right. They need to be warned. They need to hear and be explained why they're being warned. About peer pressure. About sexual purity. About all that this world will ultimately lead to. They need to know and they need to be explained why. I've learned with my kids, I've got to take the time to explain why. If I'm going to talk to them about real life, and I'm going to talk to them about making choices when I'm not around, they need to know why. And I've got to tell the truth. And I've got to be willing to start young. They need to hear. They need to hear how to spend money. They need to be taught how to manage finances. What it means to be a man. What separates boys from men. Because they will believe what they hear. I ask you parents here today, what are your sons? Hearing. What are your daughters hearing? Secondly, not only do they need to hear, they need to see it. 
Look what John chapter 5, verse 19 says. Very interesting passage. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. Whatever the Son sees the Father do, the Son does in like manner. I want to acknowledge that this particular passage, Jesus is speaking about healing, and he's speaking about an event where he healed somebody on the Sabbath, and they came and they were uh, not happy about it, the Pharisees, and they said, you shouldn't be healing on the Sabbath. And Jesus basically said, I'm doing what my father does. Jesus said, God's the one that healed this man. And if my father's willing to heal the man on the Sabbath, then I'm willing to heal the man on the Sabbath. And he basically says, whatever my father does, that's what I do. So I acknowledge this is what Jesus was talking about, but the principle remains that sons learn from what they see. So I can't only tell him and teach him what is right and what is wrong. He has to be able to see it. Because boys will do what they see. We need to work hard. And we need to explain why we work hard. Do you find it silly that I've talked to my son as early as four years old about why I work? Why dad works? Because, and I would explain to him, because these lights cost money from the electric company. And because this food that we got, we had to pay for it when we went to, to Walmart or Dillon's to get the food. You can't just go and take what you want. And because the clothes that we wear, we had to buy them so that we would have clothing to wear for when you, so when you guys go to school. And the only way that we can buy these things is by working hard and spending time working on stuff so that we can get paid for what we do. I started explaining these principles with my son when he's four so that he could hear it and see it. Because, brothers and sisters, we are living in a culture where our kids think they don't have to work, they can play on their stinking iPad all day long, you're going to take care of them, you're going to provide their food, you're going to provide their clothing, and somehow when they get out of school, the government's going to provide it for them. I don't have to work. And because of this, our 25 to 30-year-olds are more debt than any other time in history. On average, this is just average, in the United States, per person, not per family, because most people aren't families anyways till they're 35, but between the age of 25 and 30 in this country, the average person spends $100 a month more than they make. Every month of every year. Research says that most of our 25 to 30-year-olds right now in 2015 will still have the same debt when they die. Because we're just taught, you just go get it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. You just go get it. You just go do what you want to do. And here's the problem. Look at our culture, guys. We're messed up. It doesn't work. This says it's not how it works. And we're finding out that this is true. 
And as I've already said, we're not going to go out and change the culture. We're not going to change the world. We've got to teach our children how to be brought up in this world and maintain their integrity and live as sons, as men who honor God with their lives. So they need to see. They need, you, you need to show your sons how to be selfless. Men, we have got to take time to do things for other people for no other reason than just like what these two brothers were talking about, to show people the love of God. Our children have got to see that we have a responsibility to use our talents to help other people. That this whole world isn't about me, 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 let me get, get, get. But we want to help somebody. We want to help our neighbors. We want to help somebody in need. And I would challenge you this morning, if you have sons... I would ask you the question, have your sons, have your daughters ever seen you being selfless? What do they see you spend your money on? What do they see you do with your time? Because ultimately our sons will do what they see. We need to show them how to win with class. That's one thing. I, used to, I don't have time to watch a lot of sports. I used to like watching sports a lot more than I do now. it's annoying how few people know how to win with class. Every touchdown, every win is treated with the in-your-face mentality. And I'm just going to tell you how it makes, it makes me sick when I see Christians act that way. It's disgusting. Jesus wouldn't act that way. I promise you He wouldn't. Don't separate your sports life from your Christian life. Uh-uh. We've got to show our sons how to win with class. We've also got to show them how to lose with class. Because you know what? Not everybody wins. Sometimes you lose in life. You just have to get up and keep going. You can't win every game. You can't hit every home run. There has to be a winner and a loser. We've got to learn how to lose with class. And we have to show our sons what it's like to be able to accept defeat, whether it's in a game, whether it's in a a project that we had, whether it was in something we wanted to accomplish and we weren't able to do, whether it was on a financial goal that we were not able to meet. We have to be able to accept our losses with class and dignity and show our sons what that looks like. We have to show them how to treat others. And why we treat other people the way we do. We have to show our sons how to treat women. I'm so far out of time. We have to show our sons how to treat women. This devilish culture that we live in has denigrated the woman to nothing more than a a woman in a bikini for uh, your sexual viewing. It's disgusting. And so many of our boys are being brought up and they're being subjected to this over-sexualization of women, false perspective of what real life looks like and how it works. They're not being taught what is right and what is wrong when it comes to how a man is supposed to treat a woman. Brothers, we've got to show our sons how to treat women. 
with respect, with dignity, with honor, with love, with compassion. Because what your son sees you do will be what he grows to do. Does your son see you respecting his mom? Because if your son sees you disrespecting his mom, guess what he's going to do? Disrespect his mom. If your son sees you honoring her and speaking words of love and life to her and standing up for her, guess what he's going to do? The same thing. This is the great thing about the answer to the problem. It's not that complicated. They need to hear. They need to see. And these are things we can do. We can talk to our sons. We can talk to them about this onslaught of culture that they have to battle off. We can show them how we do it in our own lives. They need to be able to see what the difference is between being a boy and a man. And then they need to do. Look what Proverbs 22 and verse 6 says. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child. If you've been here at Crossway Church over the last several years, you've heard me use this passage a handful of times. There's a big difference between just simply hearing something and seeing something and being trained. Training is when you take it to the next level and we say, okay, now you're going to do it. Now it's your turn. I'm going to help you do it. I'm not going to make you do it all by yourself. I'm going to help you do it. That's what training is. Anybody ever been through training? Anybody ever had a job where you had to go through training? What do they do? They teach you what you need to do. They speak to you so you can hear it. They show you so you can see it. But eventually they say, your turn. And they stand along beside you and help you do it. This is what we need to do with our sons and our daughters. We've got to train them. And that means there has to be an element in their lives where we get them off of the electronics off of the couch, away from the TV, and they are doing something. They are actively being selfless and serving the community. They are actively doing something that that will help them mature into the man or woman God wants them to be. Here's why they need to do. You need to guide them in what they do because they will master what they do. Ultimately, that we're all the same way. We master what we do. If they learn to be lazy and sit on the couch and get away with it, never having to help the chores, never having to help around the house, never having to shut things off and do what they're asked to do, guess what? They will master that. And some of them, I know I've hammered on this hard already today, but some of them have mastered it so well, they're still doing it 30 years old. Mom and dad saying, I don't know why. I don't know why. The disgusting statistic is that between the age of 18 and 34, in this country, the average parents, set of parents together, they spend $34,000 per child on that child during that child's age between 18 and 34. 
$34,000. I've only got one kid in here, but you can rest assured I will not spend $34,000 on you between the age of 18 and 34. It's not going to happen. Guaranteed. I will help you find a husband who will take care of you. <laughs> and who will work hard and who will be a man. They need guided. I started with my children early in a lot of things. We're going to go do this. We have did things as a family. Whether it was helping people during Thanksgiving season, whether it was dropping off gifts at Christmas, um, whether it was one of the things that we have started recently is money. Just teaching them to handle money in their hands and be responsible with it. And to know that rather than me buy everything for you, now you're going to have to work, and you're going to get paid when you work, but you're only going to have so much money to work with. And they're learning how to save. They're learning how to spend. They're learning how to give. One of the general rules that we have is that there is no borrowing money. If you don't have enough, you don't get it. Work harder, make more money. It's a very good principle to live by, by the way. Halloween came, and uh, we wanted good, solid, healthy costumes. We're also um, financially frugal as we can be, and, and we thought for Tyron it would be nice to get him a costume that wasn't a real costume, something he could actually wear um, other than once a year. And so we let him be Alex Gordon of the Royals. You know, the Royals were on fire. and so. Um, but we also had a limit on what we were going to spend. And so we bought him the Alex Gordon jersey, and then he wanted a hat. And he, you know, he wanted the flat bill New York hat because that's the new thing. And you know what? We've had to learn as responsible parents, there is a time to say no. Nope. Can't do it. We're not spending any more money for you on this holiday. He said, what if I buy it with my own money? So you can do whatever you want with your own money. It's your money. Well, we went up, and it was an expensive hat, and he's about $25 short. It's the only time I've ever given my kids a loan. And I made the decision to loan him the money. To this day, I don't know if it was right or wrong, but I'm just telling you I did it. <clears throat> and then for the next five weeks, every time we did payday, I, this is a true story, I would hand him the money and let him put it in his hand. And I'd say, all right, I'll give it back. <laughs> and you should have seen him. <sighs> going to take forever to pay this hat off. And, oh my, I'm going to be like two more months. So, well, this is real life, son. This is what happens when you borrow money you don't have. You have to pay it back. You can't just get the thing and think, oh, it's nice, I've got it now. You have to pay it back. you got to be true to your word. And if you keep working hard, you'll eventually get this paid off. And probably next time around, you won't want to take out a $25 loan. You see, that's real life stuff. I'm not just telling him. I'm helping him do it. And we've got to learn to train our sons. They have to do these things. They need guided. They also need to be rewarded when they do things right. They need to know that we're proud of them. They need to know that when you do things God's way and you do things the right way, there, are, there is payoff. There is a reward. 
But ultimately, our children will master what they do. So I asked the question this morning, what are your sons doing? I want you to stop. I just want you to think. I don't care if they're two. I don't care if they're four. I don't care if they're ten. I don't care if they're fifteen or older. What are your sons doing? And ask yourself if they continued this path. What type of man would they be? Would they be a 30-year-old boy? Am I doing what I can to help make my son into a man? Because what they do is ultimately what they will master. Are they mastering missing church for sports? Are they mastering getting their way when they throw fits? Are they mastering being lazy and never having any responsibility? Or are they mastering what it is to work hard? Are they mastering what it is to be respectful and to be accountable? These are the things that will lead them into manhood. They need to hear because they will believe what they hear. They need to hear what is right. They need to hear what is wrong. And there is no voice more powerful in the lives of our sons than us, mom and dad. I know that there's a lot of influence out there in this world. I know there's a lot of negative stuff that they hear. I know there's a lot of bad things on television. I know it's hard to watch a good television show because the commercials come on. I know. I live in this culture too. But listen, my voice is more powerful to my children than all those voices together. I am the most significant voice in their life. And you are too, Dad. And you are too, Mom. And so we've got to be speaking to them. We've got to be communicating with them. We've got to be teaching them what is right and wrong. And we've got to be intentional about it. We've got to make the time to make it happen. We've got to be intentional about it. We've got to show them. They've got to be able to look at us and see what we're telling them. And then we've got to get them in the game and get them doing some of this. I'm not just telling you about it. I believe in it so much. I'm going to get you involved in it now. And we're going to progress as you get older. And by the time you're 18, 19 years old, you should be ready to become a man. And you're not going to be one of these boys that lives at home until he's 35 years old. You're going to be a man. We're going to go ahead and ask our worship team to come. As we conclude, I just want us to sing a closing song. Not necessarily going to give an altar call today, but I want to encourage you. Take the responsibility to make sure your sons are hearing what they need to hear. They're seeing what they need to see. And they're doing what they need to do. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, God, that You have made it possible for us to live and to live victoriously and to, and to raise up sons and daughters, even in a perverse generation. We ask, God, that You would help us, Lord, to take the responsibility to be speaking life to our sons. God, to be teaching them about purity. To speak to them about not getting caught up in the trap and, and, and nastiness of this world but how to stay pure, how to stay holy, how to stay honest, how to be a man of integrity. God, we pray You'd help us, Lord, to look inward and ask ourselves, are they seeing it in us? And then, God, what are we doing 
to help them put this into practice in their lives. God, I pray for homes. I pray for fathers. I pray for mothers. God, I pray this word would sink into our hearts. And God, that it would begin to change the way that we raise up our sons. God, that we would see it as our duty, not just to get them until they're 18, but our, our job is to raise them into men. Jesus' name. Thank you.